Which is getting some some early Oscar talk. Mm-hmm. I think it will certainly nab a few nominations. And yeah. um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but how exciting is it that we live in an age where currently the um, the two like shoe ins for Oscar nominations for Best Supporting Actress and the ones that everybody's saying it's going to come down to are Lori fucking Metcalf for Lady Bird and Allison fucking Janney for the Tanya Harding movie. Isn't that crazy? A, what a world! <laughs> what a world to live in when, like, two it is. What absolute t- goddesses are, Did you are hear in our the orbit. Thing that Angela Lansbury said today, though. I don't want to um, acknowledge I don't want the to. thing that Angela Lansbury said today. So let's just focus on this. Yeah, I'm gonna just say that Angela Lansbury is a 92 year old woman. Um, She's got just some, some weird thoughts. In yeah, her Jessica Fletcher, however, is an eternally like 65 year old fictional hero of mine and i would like to just go on record and say those were words said by angela lansbury and not Not, jessica fletcher well somebody i read the best tweet and it was boy murder she wrote would have been real different if um jessica fletcher had decided to blame the victim (laughs) (laughs) i mean on murder she wrote sometimes it is the victim's fault but that's a totally different case i thought that was really like a nice succinct (laughs) Mm -hmm. way to put my feelings in a little basket and Put it to the side. Up, um, the, I just watched a Law and, or, uh, Law and Order. I, of course, I watched Law and Orders as well. I just watched a murder she wrote last night. It was delightful. It was from 1987. Um, I am about to read for my next book club a murder she wrote novel. Because oh, Jessica cool. Fletcher is still the best character of all time. I don't want, I don't want to be too dramatic I'm there, but of all time. So, on to happier discussion before we get into, which, by the way, kudos on um, putting together such an appropriately paired set of films. I can't take the credit for that. Kudos to marrying somebody who put together a show of such perfectly paired together films. We went and saw Lady Bird, like, legit the day after we last recorded. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know, I'm worried, what if it goes away, I know where it's playing, let's just go. So we went, and after we got, like, we got, like, vegan ice cream, 
but we were sitting there and I was eating my ice cream. Your vegan he, ice cream. He would not stop talking about Rushmore. And yeah. I don't think I had ever seen it. Ah. Like if I did, it was just in bits and pieces. Yep. I've never seen it all the way through. And I was like, well, and he, he just kept saying, well, no, 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 no. you'll see, we'll watch it. We'll watch it. And I was like, well, why don't I just pair that with Ladybird? And he was like, oh, that's a good idea. So well, two birds, one it stone. Really, it was a, mar- it was a married, uh, you, you guys got, got there as a couple. Yeah, apparently he was quite obsessed with Rushmore in his earlier days because it was very much when he was in high school Mm -hmm. and then in college, and this was a character that he could uh, relate to. I just rolled my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, I get it, and and it was just weird to sit and watch it with somebody that had such nostalgia for it, especially considering it's not a particularly old movie, all things considered, and just to, to... have well, somebody talk about that's it. What's so like crazy distant. about it is that it when I rewatched it because I, I really I don't think I'd seen it since probably 1999 since it like first hit video and thinking oh it's been a while but it feels so familiar because it's still very Wes Anderson and then as you said it's not a very old film it's a 19 year old movie it is a you know, the second I said it I realized that it came out before yeah. we even graduated it is almost 20 years old and i think what's actually brilliant kind of about putting it with ladybird is rushmore yeah rushmore came out when we were both in high school and mm-hmm. might have identified here and there with things i don't know but ladybird which is now which is set in i think what 2002 so it's yeah you so and like i both right graduated after. 2000 right mm-hmm. class of 2000 class of a new millennium oh. uh so ladybird like technically she's like two years younger than we were Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, it's the same era they're about. Yeah. So it's like a different kind of nostalgia that I know, speaking for myself, I had watching Lady Bird of this time in my life that's now almost 20 years ago. Yeah, it's 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 a real interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's real, really interesting. I will say, too, if I say nothing else positive about it, to Rushmore's credit, it, it did age very well. It, yes, yes. In very interesting ways. Yeah. So we will get to that. But before yeah. we jump into these movies, uh, what else have you been watching? Well, my list is actually a bit smaller mm-hmm. because I had pneumonia. Yeah. See, <laughs> if I had pneumonia, I'd be doing nothing but watching movies. I don't know. I We finished Stranger Things. Okay, me too. Um, and I started Broadchurch Season 3. I really I, like Broadchurch. <laughs> Did it's you re- uh, enjoy Stranger okay. Things Season 2? I will say yes. Yeah, me too. Um, I got a little choked up a oh, couple times. Yes. Oh, yes. There's a few moments that got me. Um, Max is my favorite character of all time ever. She's pretty cool. She's the yeah. best! She's pretty cool. It was really great. And we tried to space it out this time. Because, like I said, I think I said last time, the first season, <clears throat> I don't even remember watching it. We, I think we watched it in, like, a day and a half. Mm. It, just, it was just a, a haze. So I really tried to, like sit with this one and be like you know what I would like to watch another episode of that show see on one hand I think that's the better way to do it because with both of them we kind of take our time we just we don't we're Mm -hmm. not bingers so much so it took us probably a few weeks both times the problem is man I tried so hard to avoid Stranger Things spoilers and I got so fucking close until somebody shared a picture um with a joke that was a moment of oh so that happens to that character. Oh, Great. I think we might have seen the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was not happy about that. I was I not happy really either. Close. Like, I, but I, if it, yeah. If we're talking about the same thing, mm-hmm. we, we called it from like the second episode. 
Yeah, I have but a lot still, of different still, theories about what might happen with that character. And oh my god, we're talking show... about the same thing. It's crazy. Yeah, people that have watched the show know what we're talking about. People who haven't or who aren't that far, I'm not going to be the dickhead that spoiled no, we're it. Not so gonna I'm do not it, going into specifics. But let's just say there was a character that I think a lot of people probably had theories on. I had different yep. theories because every episode I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe this character is this, maybe this character is that. I think they kept you guessing. They did. And it yep. was really satisfying. And it would have been more satisfying if I didn't know um, the fate of a character based on mm. Facebook. But Well, I will do? say that what we say about spoilers was true in this case. Yes, I felt spoiled, but I don't feel like it, it – quote-unquote ruined Mm -hmm. the actual like unraveling of the story I still think I went or got upset like I even though I might have seen it coming like I was still affected by it yeah I felt robbed of the full reaction I might have had that that's bullshit people need to stop your jokes are spoilers too everyone yeah Yeah, very much very much laughter hurts it does it does especially me because I can't breathe oh um (laughs) Christina has pneumonia, everybody, but she is on her steroids and lifting her weights and has some anger issues, and it's all going to be great. Yeah, it'll work out. Yes. Um, So for some reason, Zach made me watch Ultraviolet. You know about Ultraviolet? I've never seen it. What's really funny is I was like scrambling around trying to figure out what we should cover next, and I was like, I've never seen Ultraviolet. I wonder if we should ever cover that. It's so bad. That's what I've heard. It's like, imagine if somehow Aeon Flux was worse. Oh, boy. Ooh. Well, Aeon Flux, like, like, there's good things about Aeon Flux, so I can't imagine if it's worse, actually. It's, like, somehow less story, less happens in it. That little kid from birth is in it, though, so, I mean... Oh, that Cameron I guess sh- something? Yeah, he's good. Something, yeah. I mean, show up for that, I guess. Yeah. And Meal is in it, but they don't really give her much to do, which is weird. Yeah. The entire time, I was like, I wish I was watching a Resident Evil movie. Yeah, yeah. Just watch a Resident Evil movie. There's a lot of them. And there they've are, been airing on the great. Sci-Fi Channel all week, too. I've watched, like, three of them again. I love them. I love them so much. Yep. Um, I saw the Thor movie that has come out. What did you think? I liked it. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Funny. And, and I, I, I guess a few people had some issues with it. I didn't. I mean, I thought it did what it was supposed to do, and it did it effectively, so yeah. I can't really. And I just I'm had not... a good time with it. Yeah, I'm not into, like, thinking forever about what a, a Marvel movie could have done better. Like, if it's sure. not boring and, and stupid, like Civil yeah. War, then I'm fine with it. You didn't like Civil War? I hated really? Civil War. Oh, I like Civil boy. War. It wasn't my um, favorite. My favorite is still Captain America 2, but oh, I like Civil that's War. That's the best one. Yeah. Um, so, th- if it, so for me, though, Civil War is, like, the low. Wow. And... That and Thor too, which you, I know you did. Which see. I, I skipped, yeah. Um, and you were right what you said because right. I had I had said to myself I should rewatch Thor too because just you know just in case I don't know how referential it is, right, but right. then I don't like that movie. Yep. So I was like, eh, never mind. Well, definitely it was, say, yeah. It was yeah, it was totally fine. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. So mm-hmm. yay for Thor. 3. I laughed consistently. I did too. Mm-hmm. I laughed at the things that were supposed to be funny. Yep. I didn't think it was pandering, so yeah. it did it did a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Um, we have HBO Go, and we watched Why Him. Do you know what this movie is? Is that the one with Brian Cranston and James Franco? It's a hundred percent what that is. Um, I remember Married with Clickers really enjoying it. I wish that I could enjoy it with oh, them. Oh, okay. 
It was, I don't know what I wanted. It yep. was, it was exactly what I expected, but somebody had, I had heard other people whose tastes I usually align with, mm-hmm. or at least that whose opinions I respect saying like, oh, it's interesting. It does an interesting thing. So I watched it going like, oh, when's the interesting <laughs> thing going to happen? Where's the fireworks factory? <laughs> yeah, they never got there. Okay. Um, so we watched Underworld 4 which has a different name that I can't think of. Uh, I've it's, only ever seen the third one that's the prequel that is like the least yeah. like all the other Underworld films, I think. Yes. So that's the one with Rona Mitra in it, right? Uh, yeah, Rona Mitra is in part three. Okay. So, yeah, this is the fourth one. I don't I don't like these movies. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I don't hate them, but they're like not movies that I have like a passion for, sure. like the Resident Evil movies. Um, but like Zach was like, Oh, I heard this one was different. I don't know what, what our problem is. Um, I heard this one was a little (laughs) bit different. It's not like all the other underworld movies. And I mean, it was a lot faster and less steeped in like mythos, which I think is sometimes some of the issue I have. Yeah. Like great vampires, lichens. We, we got it. Like stop telling me about a little heavy on it. Oof. But it was, it was all right. I don't remember where we saw that. Um, I think we might've red boxed it. Or something. Um, so then I talk a lot about The Howling 2. I mean, who doesn't, really? I can't remember if I've seen The Howling 2. I've seen oh, The Howling boy. 3, and I've seen The Howling. Uh, which one is 2? Is anybody in 2? So many boobs. Okay, well... I, I'm gonna, I, I, I don't know that I'd remember boobs. I've seen a lot of boobs in my life. Well, it's very memorable. Okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I actually own it on, like... DVDs. Somebody bought it for me as a joke, and I talk about it a lot. Like, oh, the Howling Two. Your sister's a werewolf. Like, it's got a funny tag to it. Okay. And Zach's like, oh, we should finally watch it. So we threw on um, my DVD. I'm trying to get it up on IMDb. I want a more concise um, synopsis in case they go to the small like like Eastern European town and there's like a little person and werewolves and it's, it's really weird. And Christopher Lee is in it. Okay. I haven't but, seen it. I'd remember okay, that. So, so I think, I think you would, and he's really weird in it. And if you've ever seen that gif of him, like wearing a leather blazer and putting on like eighties shades <laughs> from this and also Sybil Danning is in it, which is great. But like, there's this weird thing at the end where they play this song over and over again. I think they think that they're, um, that Susan Sarandon, oh God, The Hunger. I think they oh. think that they're that movie. <laughs> so there's this, like, 80s. Okay, like, like kind of electro industrial. Nice, nice. And play it over and over again in this movie, like, constantly. And at the end, there's just, like, a montage of images from the film that you've, you just watched like kind of set to that music and one of them is just repeatedly showing where she pulls her top open so in other words it's one of the best movies of the 80s it's bananas nice but like there's also a lot of boring stuff in it but you should watch it I it's got obviously should on imdb <laughs> at one point all of the howlings were on amazon prime i don't think they are anymore but i think i skipped over two because i think three is the one that everybody always talks about so i think i just yeah. jumped to that one that is that like marsupials or whatever yes, yes. 
Yeah. So the second one is notable for um, Civil Danning. Yeah. And, uh, and Christopher, Christopher Lee. 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 I keep wanting to call him Christopher Plummer. I don't mean <laughs> that. It's very memorable. I, w- I want you to watch it. Okay. If you can't find it, I'll send you my DVD. <laughs> I will. I will try to find it first. But thank you. No problem. Um, I watched a weird movie that just came out that I don't know if you would like or not. It's called Wish Upon. Uh, Brandon saw it, and I think he liked it. Okay, so I think it's way better than it has any right being. It's really interesting. The director of that did something else that I thought was interesting. Um, Or I listened to an interview with him, and and he sounded really likable. Interesting. The The lady wrote it. Okay, and cool. which always kind of piques my interest yeah, a little Marshall, bit. Yeah, because... Joseph Leonetti also directed Butterfly Effect Two. Oh, which is terrible. Oh, he's the guy mm-hmm. that did Annabelle, which is good. Oh yes, Zach yeah, said a million times we were okay. watching it. This is the Annabelle guy. I didn't remember. Um, it's like so. I actually tweeted at the screenwriter and said that I loved her movie and I hated her protagonist, which is great. And she was like, oh, I'm really sorry you hated her. But I was like, no, 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 that's great. Yeah. I, you made me feel a thing. Like, that's amazing. She was so dislikable, and I questioned and hated all of her decisions. But, like, in a really frustrated way, not in, like, a, this is poorly made. Right, like, in a very, this is a teenager, and... Like, why is she doing this right, kind right, of right. way? She also co-wrote a, a movie that I really liked called Viral, which was a kind of zombie mm-hmm. plague movie that came out directed by the catfish nerve guys. Yep. Uh, that was I know really that, good. Yeah, so I that's interesting. I, I'm, I hope she continues to write horror films because that's cool to yes. hear. So that is a recommend. I could totally see somebody hating it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some weird Ryan Phillippe stuff in it. So for that the alone, fact that Ryan Phillippe is playing a dad is he's kind just, of a horror movie in itself. It's so funny. And his facial hair is just really inconsistent. <laughs> he, look, he, I almost just spoiled something. I'm not going to, you need to watch does it. Does he look and, like and a dad or does he look yes. like, okay, that's, that's horrifying. It's like, fine. He looks like a hot dad, but like, it's fine. I know, but I remember going to see a movie when he played a 16 year old and I was 16 and it was a whole thing. <laughs> He is, he was born in 74, so I mean... Okay. Oh, he's older than us anyway. Okay, I don't feel yeah, so bad now. He's he's way older. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. He was playing young. <laughs> so that's my official recommend to everyone for that um, movie. Um, I watched The Unborn. Which Unborn? The one about the baby or the one about the Dybbuk? That one. The Dybbuk. The one that turns into a weird Jewish possession movie, and I didn't expect it to. Yeah, I remember... This is like... <laughs> This is like 2006, maybe? 2005? I'm bringing it up right now. This is, oh, um, you know who 2000- this one is? This is directed by the douchebag that does the... David Goyer. Yeah, I hate him. Me too. He does all the DC stuff, David and Goyer. he seems like an asshole based on every yep. interview I've ever heard with him. So we are a, a non-Goyer household. We yep. don't like him here. Yeah. Um, couldn't remember his name either. It's the pneumonia, everyone. Um, <laughs> we We were like... I think I had played around with the idea of seeing this again because it's from an era where I really have comprehensive horror movie oh, knowledge yeah. and I've just not seen it. So it came up on some weird like best of the horror that's streaming right now list uh-huh. we were looking at. And um and then you look and fucking Gary Oldman and Idris Elba are in it. Oh, I forgot Idris Elba's in it. Yeah, I remember Gary he Oldman. Show- 
He shows up an hour and 15 minutes into the fucking movie. He did movie. some slumming in the mid-2000s. He, he really did. Remember that Red Riding Hood movie where he strolls in as a witch hunter? Yes, I have been going through his filmography, and it is shocking yeah. at times. Um, yeah, don't introduce a character in the last half hour of your movie. It's real. It's a bad look. Generally. But, so I didn't know that this movie was going to be about what it was about. Right. It was weird. But, like, whatever. It was a movie. I remember. I have a real distinct memory of when this came out. Because I remember going to see role models in the theater. And they showed the trailer for this movie. And it was a packed theater. And the first half of the trailer, everybody was kind of into it. Because the trailer was actually cut really well. Yeah. The and trailer then, was good. Yeah, yeah. And then um, it, it, I remember it, it come, the trailer like then has the text from producer Michael Bay. Yep. And you heard the whole theater go, oh... Mm-hmm. At once, it it lived up to all of that. Yep, it's not very good. Nah, I mean, it's not it a terrible some... idea for a film, but it's just not. No. It's just messy and not good. Once I realized what it was actually about, I was like, "Oh, this could be really cool and interesting." I f- and no, it wasn't. Yeah, I'm a completist though, so I can say I watched I it. Yeah. Um, saw Justice League. What did you think? I thought it was terrible. Okay. Everything about it or redeeming qualities anywhere? Um, I thought most of it was awful. I didn't think, I didn't understand the tone and I thought it was trying to be way too humorous. Okay. <laughs> but the jokes weren't landing and the pacing was really weird. Yeah. My favorite thing was actually Aquaman. I was very surprised well, I by mean, that. It's Jason Momoa and he doesn't wear a shirt for most of the movie, right? But he's like the most, and Ezra Miller's. Ezra Miller's great. I always like him. It's not their fault that they're they almost feel like they're stepping on jokes. Sure. And like the movie is really clunky and like what a DC movie? No, I know, I know. It's DC exciting. Was clunky? Confused? It's, it's, what? Exciting when Superman shows up. Like I was into that, but like overall, I I was. I, I wondered what their objective was. And when you're <laughs> sitting in a movie, especially a movie like that, and you're like, what were you trying to do here? That's not a good sign. Yeah, I, I yeah, <laughs> it's, that's all I can say is, yeah. Somebody clapped at the end of it. <laughs> was it like, like a one person clapping and then just really quickly stopped because nobody yep. else was? Yep. Oh, that's sweet. It was, it was it was adorable. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I saw it, and I would like an Aquaman movie, and I want... Mm-hmm. I just, like, I, you fucking showed me Wonder Woman. I know what kind of movies you people can make. Yeah, if you... Why did, yeah. why did I have to sit through this? Yeah. Well, nobody like, made you. I mean... I Actually, somebody did. Oh. I was 100% ready to skip this movie, and Zach was like, it's a movie with Batman in it. Are you telling me we're not going to see it in the theater? I was like, fuck. Don't do this to me. Yeah, did he bring up, like, wedding vows or anything at that point? I don't know. I said you owe me big time. Yeah. I think I'm using it on Orient Express because I would like to see that okay. movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's my cash-in. I'm going to be like, you're going to come. I feel like you owe, you're owed another one. Oh, really? Am I, I aiming too high? Yeah, no. I, no, no, no. I'm saying you're aiming too low. I think you yeah. could you could add on another, like, whatever the next step-up movie is or Something else to that list. I think a Justice is, League movie is, there is worth another one two in pre-production. I think they're actually doing a TV series now, like a Fuck YouTube you, series. Really? Yeah, I know, I know. I'm really excited about it. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
I love that stuff. All right. So we watched The Bone Collector. I think it was on HBO. Of course you watched The Bone Collector. I love The Bone Collector. Somebody had never seen it. Oh. And I was like, how have you never seen The Bone Collector? Mm. <laughs> it's a modern American classic. So, like, come on. Along came a spider, kissed the girls, Bone Collector, that other one that had Angelina Jolie in it where she was fake pregnant at the end. Like, all of these movies are movies you need to see. Well, Bone Collector, I think I've said this before, um, was really bad for me because it came out around the time I moved to the city. Mm-hmm. And oh, um, it meant that... Yeah, I think you had told me this. Yeah, I could never... It was, like, bad enough whenever I would take, like, a subway and, I and, you know, my mom would be like, were you on the subway? I'm like, yes, I was on the subway, like a million people do every day. But then it was, like, every time I'm in a cab now, my mother is, like, makes me make sure that it's not a Bone Collector cab. Yep, because that's how he you, collects his bones. Is why he cat. collects his bones that that way. Yep. Yep. She's smart. She knows. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like this movie a lot. Most of it is unironic. Um, although I do think Denzel watching it now is like weirdly aggressive with Angelina Jolie, yeah. like yelling at her, telling her to do things that she's not trained for and doesn't seem to want to do. Yeah. I remember that being very confusing. Like she's not very ambitious for a cop who he has decided should be a detective. Like yeah. he's really pushing her into it. Yeah. And she's and then, just like, I just want to walk the beat. Yeah. And then their love story was weird. And like, yep. I don't know, there's weird stuff in it, but there like, is, yeah. I don't know. He's in a he's in a in a hospital bed the whole time. Yep. Like like ordering people around and looking at slides. Like it was awesome. What more did you want? <laughs> that that is fair. There is nothing more I want in a movie. Nothing more. Um and then the last thing I watched is that I don't know if you've seen it go by on Netflix, that Jim Carrey um oh, the Andy Warhol thing. Yeah. That and when they were doing Man on the Moon, the documentary for all that stuff. Um it was the worst thing i've ever seen in my life no kidding is He's the off. movie a documentary or is it a yeah. it's a documentary okay i would i mean like so the whole thing is while they were making that andy kaufman movie they were um filming all of his shenanigans oh, okay like jim carrey just being like andy him Kaufman. okay all over the place so he didn't break character at all God, he was obnoxious he was all the different personas all the time, constantly. And, like, as obnoxious as that might sound, like, there are times where it's straight-up abusive. Like, Ugh. he is he is being just completely intolerable and disrespectful and ridiculous to these people that are just trying to do their jobs. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not talking, like, Danny DeVito. Like, sure, no, he's like, obnoxious. the makeup person, probably. Like, yeah, and, like the, like, the fucking grip. Like, don't don't be an asshole to yeah. these people. They're just working. I don't know, man. You're not competing I've, for an Oscar nomination. He is just... If you if you thought he was insufferable, like, he's next level deranged in this thing. I And I, I can say mean things about him because he doesn't want people to get vaccinated. Yes. So. Yeah, Jim Carrey kind of fell onto the list of um, celebrities that were allowed to now judge for every reason like, whatsoever. Yeah. So, like, maybe if he was a different type of person i'd be like he's a reverend or you know whatever his method was whatever worked Mm -hmm. but no he he came across like a huge douchebag yeah well yeah i have no desire to watch that but good to know yeah don't um so that's it for me all right so on my end um let's see 
Uh, on Amazon Prime, I landed on a movie called Bloodbath, which is also known as The Sky is Falling. From 1979, this is the weird, one of the weirdest movies I've seen in a really long time. So Dennis Hopper and Carol Baker are in this movie. Uh, it is set on an island in Spain, and basically a whole bunch of like American uh, expats are living on this island, just being horrible people. He's, uh, he's a drug addict. Carol Baker is a washed-up former movie star. And there's a few other people there, and they're just terrible terrible foreigners in a foreign land and meanwhile like the island has some weird cult thing going on and people start dying Mm -hmm. Uh, i have no idea what this movie is this is this good i can't tell i don't know it's (laughs) i mean it's on amazon prime and it's one of those again i love that amazon prime has a lot of crazy stuff on there i hate that some of it just looks terrible so mm-hmm. this movie, like, it's re- it's just a bad transfer of the movie, so it's not easy to watch. Um, I recommend it because it's weird, 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 and feels very... It's 1979, which actually feels really late for this kind of movie. Interesting. Um, but it does feel like, oh, this is sort of a surreal something. I don't know. It... I, I don't know that I enjoyed it. It's weird. It's ugly, but it's bizarre. I, I had no idea what I was getting, and then it's kind of over, so I kind of recommend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people would hate it, and if if everything I'm saying sounds terrible, then don't watch it. But if you're kind yeah, of like, it, I want to see I don't know, it sounds terrible. shoot heroin and um, make racial, racial slurs and then, uh, I don't know, have fantasies on a beach, then here it's there for oh, you. That last part sounds interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of beach. Yeah, so hey. Um, Also on Amazon Prime, so I mentioned earlier how much I hated the Butterfly Effect 2, but I said to myself, I said, why not give Butterfly Effect 3 a chance? Oh, of course then. And you know what? I kind of dug the Butterfly Effect 3. Which one is the third one? I think I might have either tried to watch it or watched it. Okay, so the third one is, um, oh man, I forgot what the main actor, I'd seen him in something else. It's a guy who butterfly effects, but like the movie starts and like you already know that he butterfly. You like, should have just stopped it there. Well, no, no, because it's, it's guy important. Like in part two, it's like this guy's learning he can butterfly effects, but we're like we're like we've already seen that happen. So part three, it's like oh this dude butterfly effects. So what he does, he like lives a happy life and he um he butterfly effects in order to help police with investigations. Okay. And what happens is there like years ago his girlfriend was murdered. And he could never solve it, but he decides to butterfly effect and see if he can. But in doing so, he ends up sort of like causing a string of murders where he goes back and like somebody, like the girlfriend's sister gets murdered. She's suddenly at the scene of the crime. And then he goes back like a little bit later and there's a, cause there's another murder going on. And then every time he goes back somehow, like he ends up like poorer and like a suspect and everything. And so it just kind of keeps like getting worse and it's also filmed in Detroit. <laughs> and this movie is, I think, 2007, 2008. So it's right before, I guess, like, Detroit got this. I don't I don't know if Detroit got, like, a big tax break or if it's just movies started to realize, oh, Detroit has this reputation now. So let's make a whole yeah. bunch of horror movies and film them there. But so they use that. And this was just decently made. And the characters were way more likable than part two. Um, it's on Prime. You said it's, it's on, on Prime? It's on Amazon Prime, yeah. You're in okay. and out in 90 minutes. Uh, it has a good wacky twist ending, which you kind of see coming 
but is all but it's still like a really really wacky weird ending so and looking oh, it, at the casts i think i didn't i think i've tried to watch two okay. and stopped i don't think i watched this one yeah, two is just two is just like rich yuppie uh startup tech guy who has to go back in time after a car accident like and it's mm-hmm. just the most un insufferable white people characters in part two in part three it's like a little grittier and again it has like a wacky twist ending and then it has a great final shot that's just crazy so i recommend the butterfly effect three who knew who knew wow yeah all right uh on lifetime i recorded it because i'm me i recorded a movie called under the bed which is about a uh guy who becomes obsessed with a woman so he hides under her bed and then he eventually tries to make her his and it's a typical lifetime movie and it's not particularly good but it has all the lifetime tropes so i watched it um switching gears i just read that i was curious to watch the bonfire of the vanities directed Mm. by brian de palma never seen it uh i hadn't and i had heard so much about its reputation and after I read, I wanted to read it because it's a very, like, the book is set in part in the neighborhood I work, mm-hmm. where the accident happens. That's the Hunts Point section of the Bronx. And, like, a bunch of, like, older coworkers were talking about how it was, like, such a big book, you know, 20 years or 30 years ago, I guess now. And so I read it, and I liked the book well enough. And I watched the movie expecting the worst, because this movie has a huge, like, a terrible reputation as mm-hmm. just being a mess and kind of killing Brian De Palma's career for a little bit. Um, and I kind of, I thought the movie was fine. Like, I get that it wasn't, the book is 700 pages. The movie's obviously not going to get all of that. But I liked the tone of the movie. It was very kind of absurd. Um, I found it funny. I When I read the book, I thought Tom Hanks was a terrible choice for the lead character. Watching the movie, I thought he was great. Um, Melanie Griffith, I loved her in this movie. She's Oh, fun. Like, unhinged in it. So That's good to hear. Yeah, I, I think especially if you watch it without reading the book, I think you might just be able to watch it on its own terms and kind of get something out of it. Uh, I mean, it's very much a time capsule. It is a mm-hmm. snapshot of 1989 or thereabouts. So, yeah, I don't know. Not the reputation. I don't. Maybe time has been kind to it. Maybe that's it. Um, okay, other movies we watched. Brannon had gotten from Netflix, he didn't remember why, but he got a movie called The World Made Straight. Okay. This is a uh, drama with Noah Wiley and Minka Kelly and a few other random people. Uh, it is set in like the 1970s and it's sort of about a young man who um, like it's set in North Carolina like rural rural North Carolina and it's about a young guy who drops out of high school is kind of aimless um, sort of befriends a drug dealer who is a former teacher uh, who's sort of a historian of sorts and basically it's about a like 17 year old southern kid mm-hmm. learning a little more about the civil war about his heritage about what that means for today um it's it's a hard movie to describe, I guess. It was good. It wasn't great. I think it was a little heavy-handed in some cases. Um, mm-hmm. But it was. If you have any interest in sort of south, the South, I think, and sort of why why is the South what it is today, and why do people have certain beliefs and stuff? I think mm-hmm. this was an interesting 
um, movie for that subject, I guess. Uh, I don't think it's streaming anywhere, but if it is, I don't know, it's, it's worth a shot. Uh, Interesting. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, I hadn't either. And what's really funny was watching it really made me say, after we finished it, I'm like, that was, that was pretty good. It really made me want to rewatch Shotgun Stories. So mm, my husband had never it. seen Shotgun Stories, so... Did you watch it? Yes. Ah, how it's, is it? Is it, it still great? It's still great. Yeah, it holds up. Um, really interesting, because I've only seen it once, and that was probably now, about like eight years ago. And going back to it, especially after like Take Shelter and some of other Jeff Nichols' other stuff, I, I was very curious how it would hold up. And mm-hmm. it's, it is one of the best understated small movies I think you can find. Uh, because watching it, I forgot just how small it is, how sparse the dialogue is, how it's, these aren't talkative people. You don't get every backstory. You don't, you don't, you're not given everything because you don't need everything. Mm-hmm. And you feel like there is more to these characters than they might say out loud. Cause that you're not going to, you don't need more. You wouldn't hear more in the context you see them in. Um, really good. It's on Amazon prime. So it's well worth a revisit. Oh, I didn't know that. It is. Oh, I might take a look yeah. at it again. then. And what's funny was watching the end credits and watching the credits roll and realizing how many people on the crew had the last name Nichols. That's interesting. Yeah. This was a very low budget movie, but very good. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just have one more real movie and then something else we'll talk about. Uh, documentary. I watched a ballerina's tale on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Instant. This is the documentary about Misty Copeland. Yep. who is the um, one of the prima ballerinas for ABT and is uh, especially famous because she is really one of the first black ballerinas to make it, to not just make it there and in the ballet world, but to really also open up the ballet world to other people and younger people and all those people that never saw themselves as ballerinas. Uh, as a documentary, it's not, it leaves you with a lot that's not there because Misty Copeland mm-hmm. is such an interesting person. Um, this is somebody who didn't start dancing in, until the age of like 13, 14 and then became the world's like one of the world's best ballerinas. Like, and, and had all this like weird sort of custody stuff. And mm-hmm. like, there's a lot that you don't find out about her. Uh, but the movie kind of uses it more as a opening discussion to say, to look at the ballet world and how, um, how white it was and yeah. how you know she like she was getting really discouraged looking around and realizing I'm I'm never going to be you know be the lead and um something interesting was when they sort of I guess somebody uh one of the people in charge of ABT like kind of enlisted a few like a team of very powerful black women in different careers and said sort of formed this like support system for her. Um, so on like those parts of it are really interesting to see again, this window into a really competitive, fascinating world. If you find LA mm-hmm. fascinating, which I do, but this whole other angle that you never see, which is people of color in it and what it took for somebody to, to kind of really cross that barrier. Uh, and also, I mean, if you like ballet, it's kind of cool to watch people do things with their bodies that are really hard. It, I mean, I've had interest in watching it. I just, yeah. I don't know, sometimes I don't want to watch a serious thing. Sure. I mean, flip it on. It's like 90 minutes. It's fairly okay. light. You know, give it a go. Uh, and after that, uh, you might have noticed, Christine, 
the other movies I've been watching these past uh-huh. few weeks. So, um, I mean, those of you listening probably have seen the, these episodes pop up on your feed. But yeah, it is um, Yule, so I do my stocking stuffers on made-for-TV Christmas movies. And yeah, thus far I've done Help for the Holidays from Hallmark and The Sweetest Christmas from Hallmark. Coming up soon is going to be Christmas on the Bayou by Lifetime, oh, no. A Christmas Prince, which is Netflix's original Christmas movie. Yeah. Um, okay. And Wrapped Up in Christmas, which is Lifetime's Christmas movie or one of their many Christmas movies. So those are all there. There will be more. Um, Christine is going to pick one or two and join me later. Yeah. yeah. Not that Bayou one, though. Oh, no, that one's already that one's already done. Don't worry. I won't make oh, you watch God. that one. Um, yeah, that, that one, uh, that one was a movie, as all of them are, maybe, kind of. So that's, uh, that's what we've been watching. Now, what do you want to tackle first? Do you want to go old school Rushmore or new school Ladybird? What do you think? Chronological or do you um, do you feel like there's a benefit to Yeah, I don't yeah. know. That's why I asked you. Um, I'll just go chronological to make it easy. Okay. How's that? I, I, I think that works. Alright. We're going to be back to talk about 1998's Rushmore. film after Bottle Rocket, uh, directed by Wes Anderson, written by Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson, who jumps in for a small part. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Rushmore, I saw, I think on video shortly after it came out, you just never, you, you just never sat down and watched it. You'd only seen bits and pieces of it. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and it's one of those movies that at this point has a bit of a reputation. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm sure I knew about it. Yep. Now, why don't we start with a synopsis of the movie? Oh, boy. Um, Okay, so Rushmore is about this really overambitious kid. Um, We'll talk about if he is likable or dislikable, I think, as we get into it. Who falls in love with a teacher at his school. And then Bill Murray falls in love with the teacher at his school. But... Were they ever really in love with the teacher? Was it like they were in love with what they thought their lives should have been or could have been? Whoa, somebody going deep quickly. (laughs) That's my synopsis. That (laughs) might literally be all I have to say. Excuse me as I sneezed. Bless you. Thank you. Um, I mean, yeah, that's that's the movie in a nutshell. So starring Jason Schwartzman. Yes. And I think this was his first actual film. Oh, really? I, I didn't think. bother to look. I'm, gonna I'm bad again. at this. No, I'm not. Well, bless you if you do. I am. I'm not. I am. I'm not. No. Good. Oh, no. Cucumber, cucumber, cucumber. Yes. Got it. Uh, have you ever heard that trick? Yeah. It's never worked for me, oh, ever. It, it does work for me? Oh, okay. Well, good for you. Well, what can I say? Uh, yeah, Rushmore was his You're film right. debut. Yep. 
He's very good in it. He really is. And granted, he's a Coppola, so there is something to the whole... Well, yeah. I mean, he grew up around movie sets. He, like, he was going to be involved in movies one way or another. But still, he's... For, for his first film, he's really good. He's very good at yeah. it, yes. Uh, and now... The Bill Murray. This was this was kind of the the start of the Bill Murray. What would you call it? Sort of like career renovation in a way. Yeah, he was in like serious but funny maudlin movies, which is fine. Like that's the modern um, version of of him, so that's okay. Well, this is kind of what started that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because before this, I mean, he'd been doing comedies pretty mm-hmm. straight for a while. And then when this came out, there was, at the time, and it's kind of shocking in hindsight that he didn't get nominated. Because I feel like if this came out today, he would have yeah. won the Oscar without question for it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying whether he deserved it or not, but it just feels like such, today, this feels like such an Oscar role for an actor like him. Yep. But when it came out, and it kind of started to get, I guess festival screening suddenly they realized oh we might actually have an oscar contender on our hands they released it early um and everybody thought bill murray would get nominated and he didn't mm-hmm. for who knows why if it was just the whole oh comedies don't get nominated or or what but um surprise like i feel like if in five years if if you're if i'm asked did bill murray get nominated for an oscar for rushmore i'm gonna be like yeah he totally did and yeah i'm gonna be really surprised when i realize he did not yeah, it seems kind of like a like an obvious like a given at this point. Yeah, because I think this turn for him has become what people say is Oscar bait. Like that's kind yes. of thrown in with that terminology. Like, oh, a, a comedic actor taking, you know, a a maudlin serious yep, turn, yep. or you know, like that's. But I, it really works for me in this movie. It doesn't seem forced or like shoehorned in at all it it, it really feels like a good fit because this movie tonally is very goofy it's a goofy it yeah and i think that's funny movie that's where um i mean i don't know where you stand on wes anderson (laughs) i'm up and down on him i really can't can never decide what i think of his movies and even with with rushmore after I finished it, Brandon was like, oh, so what'd you think of it this time? I'm like, I don't know. Because Wes Anderson is such a stylized filmmaker. And mm-hmm. he has a very particular cinematic language that he uses that he does not really deviate from. Um, it's this kind of cart- cartoon-esque reality uh, there are certain shots that, and I mean, all of this is in this movie. There is the, you know, the shot of somebody walking straight towards the camera and the sort of quirky camera stuff and the, a specific type of music you're using and um, a sort of the, the montages that sort of give, you know, characters looking straight at the camera while we learn about them. Mm-hmm. This is in every one of his movies. Sometimes it works for me. Sometimes it doesn't. I despised Darjeeling Limited. I don't think you could pay me to watch that movie again. I hated that movie so much because it was all these cute, quirky Wes Anderson things, but about awful, awful characters who were less interesting than everybody around them and the world they were in. 
And it felt, I remember watching the movie and feeling like it was insulting Indian culture, but it was also making these Americans look even worse. Like, I just remember hating that movie. And then the next thing I saw was Fantastic Mr. Fox, which I adore. Then when I saw Moonrise Kingdom, I was like, I I don't know what to think of this movie. I see what he's doing. It's not working on me. I'm not charmed by it. Mm-hmm. But I'd be wrong to say it's not skillfully done. I think that's how I feel almost all of the time. Okay. Is it's not working for me. This isn't what I want. But, like, it's not bad most of the time. I don't think I've ever really... I can't think of a Wes Anderson movie that I've watched and gone like, oh, this is bad. Right. But, like, I've never been passionate or interested or, like, felt the need to ever watch anything again. Most of the time I I watch it out of, like, morbid curiosity. Sure. And with Rushmore, I think it it works for me. And I think it's because it is so... A, focused really on one character. I mean, you could say it's two characters, but really, no. Mm-hmm. This is Max's story and his his movie. And the other part is that it's not making any... It feels really self-aware of his ridiculousness. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take itself seriously, but it does have heart. Mm-hmm. I didn't dislike it at all. Okay. But again, I didn't go like oh this is representative of my life experiences or I relate to this in any capacity to be honest with you I was petrified the entire time how the relationship with the teacher was going to play out sure I was super nervous like what are they going to do what's going to happen how far are they going to push this but um for the most part I thought that was handled well except for the fact that there is one kiss which didn't need to happen I think I can't even remember the kiss. Um, it's when he pretends to get hit by a car oh, and he comes right, into... Oh, right, right, Yeah. 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 Like, I, that didn't need to be there, but... Yeah. Um, I think it's... I mean, it's Olivia Williams, who I always also really like, even though love. I can never tell the difference between her and Molly Parker. But it's okay, because I love Molly Parker, too, so that's fine. Uh, and uh, I, I think her character works because, on one hand... She's perfectly cast. She's the whole yeah. point of her is that she is this really kind that she kind of evokes classiness and this very certain type of lady. But mm-hmm. the other part to that is that, you know, she is very aware and makes them both aware. I am I am not your symbol of of this. You you love me yep. because you you love this idea of me, but you know what? Fuck you, I'm a human being. So I, I appreciate that the movie gives her that. And that the other, there's, I guess, really one more female, like, primary female character, not primary, but other potential love interest of um, the teenager who's in, who sort of, like, quickly, like, kind of um, when Rushmore, I always want to call him Rushmore, when (laughs) Max transfers to public school, and there's sort of, like, one girl, Margaret Yang, who's, like, you know, really nice to him, and he's kind of, he's such a dick to her the whole time. Uh, and it reminded me a lot of um, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, of the character of Knives, who also happens to be an Asian character, but that, you know, he's such a dick to her. But in this one, like, she makes, she acknowledges, she says it to him, and he yep. apologizes. Like, she says, you were a jerk to me, and he says, yes, I was, I'm sorry. So you're like, okay, well, good. You know. Yeah, I- 
I think that for the things that it does, let's say, right, it still is a movie that is centered on the way that these women impact his life, not really anything about them, which... If that's, I mean, okay, that's the movie it is. And one could even make an argument that that's what the whole movie is about because of the way his mother impacted his life and he hasn't dealt with. Yeah. Like, like, I'm fine with all those reads on it. I didn't watch it and become, like, outraged or offended of, of this, is the, this is the movie they choose, chose to make 20 years mm-hmm. ago. Sure. Like, it, it was a fine movie, but again, I was acutely aware that there was really nothing there for me. Mm-hmm. I liked his dad the most yeah yeah favorite character hands down his dad is is great because he's so you don't you have no idea what you're getting uh and then you meet his dad and his dad is just a nice guy uh you know salt of the earth barber just but he's such a good he's so proud of his son and he's so loving Mm -hmm. to him and supportive of him so when max is such a so ashamed of him yep uh, and thankfully, you don't see it too. He's not mean to his dad for the most part that we see. Uh, but it's the whole whenever he's with anybody at Rushmore, and it makes perfect sense. And I mean, this this again, why Lady Bird was such a good pairing because the same idea kind of happens of uh, you know being sixteen and feeling poor compared to your classmates. Yep, and the the, the shame that comes with that. When meanwhile your parents are killing themselves trying to do whatever they can for you, and so it, it is. It's really sweet and it it, uh, it it pays off. And it also I I like that Max is ashamed of him in the beginning and ha- gets to have that arc and you get to see that you know that kind of understanding that he eventually gets. Yeah, and and that that's fine. I and he was never I not like I got what he was doing. I never felt like he was being overtly cruel to his father. Like he was just, you know, insecure, which yeah. is fine, I get. And and I mean, we have to keep in mind that this was like a 15-year-old character. Yeah. <laughs> excuse me. Who does stupid like questionable things and acts ways. I think that best-case scenario was that you know, maybe he exited the film a little less self-involved than mm-hmm. he started. Yeah, I would agree. But he was super self-involved, and it was really hard to um, to not hate him sometimes. I don't know if you yeah, felt well, that I way. Yeah, well, I think it's, it toes a really good line for me that, yeah, he's an he's pretty much an asshole to everybody that cares about him. He's mm-hmm. kind of a jerk to his younger friend. Um, who oh, my favorite. Fucking Dennis my, the Menace. That's Dennis Mason Campbell from Dennis the Menace. I love that. That was exciting. Uh, he, you Very know, he's, exciting. Anybody who, basically, who's nice to him, he's kind of a dick to. Meanwhile, he's trying to impress other people. But what saves it is, A, yes, he is 15 and you understand why he's doing that. But also that he's, he's entertaining. He is, uh, you know, I mean, he's... He's writing and directing school plays based on Serpico. Uh, he's, you know, petitioning to, to kill Latin and then to save Latin and, you know, um, building a, a uh, an aquarium with piranhas. Like, all, all those quirky things, which, again, can be kind of annoying in a Wes Anderson film. But in this case, it's so centered on this character of Max and mm-hmm. this is the way he is, and he is precocious. It, 
you know, that's a really good point. It's the way he is. It's not necessarily yes. the way every other individual nope. in the movie nope. is. And I think that that becomes my problem with these movies. Yes, totally. Is the world building puts me in a world that I don't like. Right. And, world's and don't want to be Everybody in. has something kooky about them and yeah. has a certain outfit they wear. Yep. And isn't that very definitive of them? In this case, Max wears the same outfit everywhere he goes. He's wearing his Rushmore outfit. Everybody else is pretty normal. It's it's that centering, that kind of balance of let, you know, the str- everybody else is kind of the straight man and Max is what he is. Whereas you're right, every other, and that's where I, I felt that especially with Moonrise Kingdom where everybody is so quirky and has their thing and was written for this actor to have this weird little tick in their language and they all have it and it just makes it feel like you're watching a cartoon. With Rushmore, there is that realness to it because it's just mm-hmm. Max. It it definitely makes it an easier thing to to buy. Like it's it's a character choice as opposed to, you know, this universe that you mm-hmm. need to spend two hours in. Um, which is just I don't think my preference. And like there's this that when they when they go to dinner after the play and he and he's drinking. Yep. I laughed. I like. I, I can't really. I'm having issues breathing. I don't know if I've told you at all, but I yes. have pneumonia. Um, when I watched it, <clears throat> I laughed so hard I had to pause it because I felt like I was going to black out, and I I couldn't laugh or oh. hear or see anything. It was so funny when he says they're OR scrubs. Oh, are they? Oh, are they? I, I, I like, Scott. I lost my fucking mind. Yep. My um, one of my best friends in high school, her AOL screen name was Max Fisher. Oh, are they? Yep. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and who knows if I had seen this when it came out, I may have loved it. Like mm-hmm. I might have really connected and really been into it yeah. because there is an ambition and a creativity and a precociousness to Max that I think can be charming. But like, you know, as a 35 year old woman, I, all I see is this is like a Wes Anderson biopic. Like I see him all over it. And like, I don't know. It's It's a really good point. Yeah. When I was 16, I, I did really like this movie when I was what? 19. I loved Royal Tenenbaums. Then when I was, I don't know, 24, I hated Darjeeling limited. When I was 30, I hated Moonrise kingdom. Now, so I do kind of feel like there is that set. And it happens, I think, with a lot of directors like this, where you sort of I don't, outgrow them sounds kind of pretentious mm-hmm. on my part, because it's making me sound like I'm more mature than Wes Anderson. I don't mean that. I mean, there is that sense of this doesn't speak to me anymore. But watching, rewatching Rushmore, I think it's really interesting to see, yes, I don't connect to Max anymore, Mm -hmm. but I think, and I really think it has to do with the balance that's in this movie that he kind of loses with all of his other movies. Uh, It's, it can still entertain me because there's something there for me that isn't all this whole world of kooky wackiness and tweeness and look at the peanut score we're using over and over again. So do you feel then, did you have a different experience watching it? Compared to when I was 17? Like when you originally saw it. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and that's Or why... was it like a really nostalgic, like, oh, that, that's so funny. No, I actually, and I was kind of dreading, as much as I was, again, I love that we paired these movies, I was kind of dreading watching it because I remember sitting down and thinking, I have no idea where I'm going to fall on it. Mm-hmm. And the movie ended and I'm like, I... I mean, because I, I mean, I laughed a little bit as I watched it. I rolled my eyes a little bit as I watched it. I, I wrote in my notes, oh, everything's going well. And then a fucking typewriter comes out. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. we just have to be hipster before it was even a thing, don't we? Um, and when it ended, you know, my husband's like, oh, so how did it, how did it work for you this time? I'm like, I, I don't know. I really said, I'm like, I, I, I think I liked it. I think I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. But there's just that that filter that I have a really hard time turning off and being able to watch any Wes Anderson film without specifically thinking I'm watching Wes Anderson film. Look at all, let's count all the things I should be looking for here. And maybe again, because this was so early in his career, because he hadn't fully committed to making the same movie every single time he made a movie. Mm -hmm. um, It's, there is, surprising things about it and more natural things about it and it just makes him makes for a movie i can watch and feel things watching moonrise kingdom yeah. i felt nothing watching yeah i mean yeah that movie's pretty and i like remember it yeah. aesthetically but i don't remember having any type of emotional response to this yeah, to it at least so this manufactured this i at least was like oh what is he doing like i at least kind of felt like he was a max was a real like that he lived in our reality so yeah. i could get frustrated or irritated or you know yeah and i think also watching it fairly close after ladybird who is a uh i mean a very different character but they're definitely like i mean there are a lot of similarities in these mm-hmm. teenagers who are more ambitious than maybe their skill set allows and all of that that it kind of helped put me back into that age of it's if let's say if um if Rushmore was about a 25 year old who just inherited a fortune and was going to go make himself in the world and this was the same movie but not set in high school mm-hmm. it would have been really hard to stomach but he's 16 and so much of that then I forgive because it's it's about being a stupid teenager who thinks you're so much smarter than everything else mm-hmm Uh, I, it's so hard for me to say I liked it. (laughs) Like, that's weird. I just can't be like, oh yeah, I really liked it. Because I don't know if I'll ever think about it again. So like, I liked parts of it. Like I liked his dad and I liked Dennis the Menace and I laughed at certain things and I'm glad it was the length that it was. Yeah, it is only 90 minutes and it it could have overstayed its welcome definitely yes and it didn't and i Mm -hmm. thought it was funny and clever and all those things but like i guess i can't watch it without knowing what's to come yeah no i (laughs) i'm in the same boat it and it's a shame it's it's and i wonder how many of our listeners go through that and and which directors make you do that and which ones don't uh i i wish i can't think of any others at the moment but um it's you know if, if you watch a Paul Thomas Anderson, P.T. Anderson, not not the guy that like won Oscar, not in cold, not 
there will be blood guy, but Mila Jovovich's husband's guy. Husband, yeah. Like, you know what you're looking, you know what you're getting. You're getting these certain shots and you're getting, um, you know, powerful women, but also kind of lazy story and so on. And so every Paul Thomas Anderson movie you, you want, or Paul W.S. Anderson, what the, every one of his films you watch, you watch expecting things and maybe being pleasantly surprised if you get more. But with a Wes Anderson movie, it's just so hard to... If I think you have found yourself thinking very, like, intellectually about film, it's you, it's hard to turn off because it's so present there. Fantastic Mr. Fox is the only movie of his that I can watch and completely forget whose movie I'm watching because it's a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's it's a fascinating conundrum to be in. Um, some other things. Did you recognize the actress who plays Dennis the Menace's mom? Yes. And then Zach and I talked about it, and then I promptly forgot why I recognized her. Connie Nielsen. A very young Connie Nielsen. Very young. Yeah. I do enjoy her. She was really not in it as much. You know what the problem was? I recognized her, so I thought she was going to show back up, Uh, and then when she didn't, I was like, I wonder where that... I had no reason to think she was. I'm gonna show back other up. than like that's a famous person in that part. She's gonna come back, right? Yeah. I always love Brian Cox, and I I think he's great in it. Yes, yeah, so funny. Yeah, and he's also like he's a great character because he's not a villain. Max kind of paints him as a villain, but he's not, and we see that he's totally not. He's just trying to not have his school destroyed by this mm-hmm. shitty kid. Uh, although there is like one, this isn't Brian Cox's fault, but there is one moment early on that I was like where I was, again, still kind of on the fence and trying to figure out what I was getting. And there was a moment where I'm like, oh, this kind of movie. And it's the scene where Brian Cox and Jason Schwartzman are sitting like on a, both on a couch talking back and forth. Mm-hmm. And the camera like zooms in on his face, zooms over to his face, zooms in on his face, zooms over to Brian Cox's face. And it just, again, felt like, oh, this is, you, you don't need to do that. Like, you don't, yeah. this is stupid. Don't do that. It's annoying. But it, it's not much in the movie. like, And maybe that's why I noticed it even more, because it doesn't... He doesn't do it a lot in this movie. Yeah, it wasn't... It was... It wasn't, like, pervasive throughout the film. Yep. So it kind of caught your attention. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed it a lot... You know, for me, when I was brought back to the fact that this was a Wes Anderson movie, is when they use, they use the, like, curtains to do the months changing curtains to do the months like there's the transitions for the months oh, yeah, where, yeah. Like, the velvet curtains yep. uh, i was like Ugh. not that i had necessarily a problem with it but it was kind of like remember what you're yeah, watching yeah well and that's you know it's funny it's like those are the kind of things i feel like you see in a filmmaker's early works but then you don't see them the more movies they make because they don't have to rely on like these gimmicks mm-hmm. and with wes anderson it's the reverse it's that, like, he has them, he's, like, playing with them a little bit in Rushmore, mm-hmm. but then by Royal Tenenbaums, it's every single shot is, it's like, storyboarded and rendered in a way where, you know, it's, like, almost like a cartoon panel. Uh, yeah. Where every single shot is deliberate. And I find that exhausting when I watch a movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this one, there's a naturalism to most of it. Um, there's a quote from IMDb that uh, Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson's intent with the film was to create their own slightly heightened reality, like a raw doll children's book. Okay. Which I, I get, and I dig that. That's cool with me. 
I think they get that. I don't think they needed to do some of the things they do with it. Mm-hmm. And then, so did you did you have an issue with the any of the romances? Like the ki- the kiss didn't drive you up a wall, and well, you wish it I didn't happen. Well, I think by that point. What's, what's interesting about the, the kiss, because I had forgotten that there is, I remembered him kind of, the kiss comes in a moment where it feels, where I thought he had given up. And mm-hmm. I thought what he was trying to do was actually bring her and Bill Murray back together. Because he basically fakes getting hit by a car so that she'll bring him uh, inside and he can like have him, because she won't talk to him. So this mm-hmm. is his way of trapping her into talking to him. It's very romantic comedy-esque in that way. So it's it's, yeah, it's a shitty thing to do and... It, it's, a, it's a very terrible thing to do. Um, and she's talking, and they're kind of having like a nice conversation, and then he sort of interprets this closeness as, I'm going to make my move now. And she immediately mm-hmm. shuts it down, and it actually is one of one of my favorite lines of the movie, which is him saying, I'll just go out the window. And he climbs back <laughs> I out did, the window. I did chuckle at that, yes. yes. Uh, so again, I think... I... I don't have a problem with it per se because I don't think the film respects it. I think the film is saying that was a shitty thing to do. You shouldn't have done that to this woman. She didn't deserve mm-hmm. that. That's a bullshit move. Um, I don't like that he did it, but again, he's a shitty character. I buy that he would do it. Hmm. Yeah, I know, that was... I I was so scared they were going to do it, and then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, we made it through. Nothing right, happened. Right. And then they did it, and I was like, fuck. Yeah. And then the, even the relationship of her and Bill Murray, we understand what Bill Murray sees in her. Mm -hmm. And again, it might be he's seeing stuff that he wants to see, not necessarily what's fully there. Yeah. I do have a little bit harder of a time seeing what she sees in him. Mm -hmm. And granted maybe the movie didn't have to give that to us because we don't really see things from those characters points of view We're exactly really for, just seeing it from uh, uh max's eyes for all intents and purposes we don't know really anything about that olivia williams character yes. um we know that she was with someone who who died and she seems to be a bit fixated mm-hmm. on it yeah that's really all we know so like I don't I don't know what else she what else she likes. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> uh so and again, I could be bothered by that, but it's not her movie. So I think I'm okay with that. Mhm. And the movie doesn't presume to know what she wants. Yeah. So I think it's fine. No, yeah, I I I totally get it. Uh, one random thing I do really like, because I think, again, like, there's a lot of little moments and visual, I mean, Wes Anderson doesn't make a movie without looking at everything when he's making the movie, and so every shot, I think, is pretty planned out, even in this one where it's a little looser than later films, but there's one, like, little sight, not sight gag, but one little moment that I really appreciated, which is during the final school play where there's um, flamethrowers and explosions going on. Yes. There's just a great shot of, like, the stage manager, like, one of the kids on crew standing standing behind the set with a fire extinguisher, just ready to go. 
Mm-hmm. And like me having worked on like stage crew in college and remember when we had, we had to have somebody light a match and set something on fire. And I remember being so fucking paranoid, oh, like and following the rules that you do have to have somebody with a, with a fire yep. extinguisher standing backstage. And it's just like this tiny little sight thing that I think like turns, the, like gives a little bit of a boost to that moment in the movie for mm-hmm. me. And I, like, these are the things I really like about this. It's the, that it creates uh, a full realized word. Yeah, without yeah. being annoying about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's it was a really fascinating rewatch. Mm. I'm glad that I watched it. Yeah. I've still I never didn't... seen Bottle Rocket. I don't think I could get through it. Mm. Yeah. Um I might have finished it but I don't remember it. I didn't I didn't enjoy the process yeah. <laughs> it didn't it didn't work for me it's you know i mean it, it wes anderson is a filmmaker and i would love for him to like i don't know do tv or or do something to break things up a little bit and kind of go to a different well and then figure out what he wants to do mm-hmm. but he just to me he's been making now the same movie and over and over again and I think it's a shame because I think there's things he can do that are really special. And again, I point yeah. to Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is just a delight from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And it's using many of the Wes Anderson isms, but in a very different way. And it's a different format and it works really well. And I'd love to see him play with things a little more and not be so stuck on all of these things he has to do every single movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Rushmore is kind of an example of before he was so married to those, I think. Although there's touches of what would go. There's touches of it, for yeah, sure. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think Fantastic Mr. Fox might work so well because world bu- world building like that he does in, in a cartoon or, you know, it's not a cartoon, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like in a, in a totally created universe. Yep might be a little bit easier of a pill to swallow totally. plus it's dealing with the kind of fantastical childlike creatures mm-hmm. not like humans yep. yeah so you're not constantly confused as to i think this is what it is you're his live action movies you're kind of confused about if you're supposed to care or if you're like dumb for caring yeah know? like moonrise kingdom has a a big instigating event is a dog being shot. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of sad when a dog is killed in a movie. And then I don't like a character, but I think the movie wants me to like the character. And I yeah. think the movie wants me to think this romance is kind of silly, but yet I'm being, I'm supposed to be invested in it. So, and it's that weird. I, I don't understand what emotionally I'm supposed to give this movie. And yeah. with Rushmore, it's focused. I, I know I'm supposed to be with Max, but I can judge him and I'm not supposed to agree with him or like him necessarily. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be amused by him and follow his story. And that's, I think, where stuff gets lost in other Wes Anderson movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's very true. Okay. Do you have more to say or should we go ahead and rate it? Um, boy, I we can rate it, but I have no idea what I'm going to give it. Okay, I'll try this one. Quality of film, I'm going to go okay. with a straight seven. Seven and a half. I'll go seven and a half. Uh, I'm going to go 7.25. Okay. 
that's reasonable. Uh, hey. Quality of life. This is hard. Because, like, I like it, but then I think... Yeah. And, I mean, is it a good thing or a bad thing that it kind of gave Bill Murray this new career path? Uh, I guess it's a good thing. But I'm going to say 6.75. Old Bill Murray. I'm just going to go 7, I guess. I don't yeah. know. It's really hard it's to tough. say. Yeah. You could easily talk me out of my out of my ratings. You could easily talk me into like a two like or five. an eight. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. Yeah. It's it's such a strange case, and I I kind of hate it because it I I like watching movies and enjoying movies, and mm-hmm. I hate when I can't do that because I'm so tied up in what movie I'm watching and whose movie I'm watching. Yeah. And. It, yeah, it, so it's just, it's really hard to be subjective about it, because there's just too much else d- loaded with it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, all right, that was Rushmore. I really am curious to hear what our listeners think about the movie and our thoughts on it, and if they agree or disagree. And if other people, like, can get past the Wes Andersonisms or not. And if or, a secret to doing that. what if you love Wes Anderson the most and you want to explain to me why? Yeah, I'll take that too. Explain to me why the Dar- why Darjeeling Limited is not um, hipster trash. Insufferable. Yes, yeah. please explain it to me. I'm open ears. I got ears. They're open. She's, she's very open-minded, everyone. I am the most open-minded person uh, you will find in the universe. Ever. 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 No question about that. All right, let's take a quick break, come back and talk about Ladybird. Woo! By Greta Gerwig, starring Ronan. And... I heard I heard them say it on NPR, and I was like, never forget the way that they say this. And then I did. Is it Shursha or Sursha? Something like that, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Can we just call her Ladybird? We can call her Ladybird. Yeah. Because when we did Atonement, we didn't call her her name in that either. <laughs> um, or should we call her Christine? Or does that get really confusing? It does get really confusing. Okay. Also, she only uses it right at the end. Uh, uh, very true. Very true. Oh, spoilers. Sorry. Uh, Christine, tell me why you picked Lady Bird and what the movie's about. Eee! So I picked it because I um, was really excited about it. Mm-hmm. <coughs> it came out at Telluride? Maybe I'm lying. Or one of those film festivals. And I followed some people on Twitter who had been seeing it. And I was like, what the fuck is this movie? So it stuck in my brain. And then um, we were randomly at actually the movie theater that we went to see it at. And they had like a standee for it, which was kind of weird. And I saw who was in it and who like, because it's clearly her on the poster. um, Lady Bird, that is. And um, who wrote and directed it. And I was like, oh. A million times. I don't Mm -hmm. care if anybody had been saying good things about this movie. I immediately want to um to watch it i was sold just based on who was in it and who was involved sure. 
Um, so people were seeing it, saying great things, and I said, this is a movie that we need to see yep. and say great things about. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. What is the plot of the movie? The plot is, um, well, IMDb says the adventures of a young woman living in Northern California for a year. <laughs> that's a very bad plot. I'm going to say that that's not a good synopsis. Nope. So ba- basically, it's it's the majority, if not all, of Lady Bird's senior year mm-hmm. and how she navigates her friends and her life and, and her interests and her ambitions and... Um, it's to be uber pretentious. It's like a character study and a real coming of age story. But I mean, it's those things. But the reason why I was so excited about it was because I don't really feel like I get to see those things in a way that I relate. And I'm not necessarily talking about gender. I mean, I am, of course. You're not, but you are. I mean, how many coming of age films are there about a young man? Blah, 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 blah. A mm-hmm. lot. How many about women? How many about one woman? And how, how many, many about women that was actually is actually writing about or being written about from life experience? Yeah. Like this is obviously. I mean, people have re- written various articles about how much of this movie is actually Greta Gerwig's life. Like honestly, I don't really care that no. much. And I and she's basically said, mm, no, I yes, I grew up in Sacramento, but. It, this is kind of the this is sort of a version of somebody I wish I was in high school. Like she kind of that's kind of what I heard her say, where she's like, "No, I didn't. I wasn't this kind of girl." But there's a part of me that like wishes I was. Yeah. And like, I that's great. Like, but it's it feels very authentic yeah. to me. Like, even if it's not completely autobiographical, like, it's written from a place of, like, understanding and knowledge and experience that, like, I don't feel like I see a lot. Like, I don't feel like I get to... I'm going to start crying. (laughs) (laughs) I connected to this movie so much. I watched this movie with, like, a perpetual lump in my throat. I felt like I was going to burst into tears the entire time, and, like, I couldn't even explain why. No, I, I think I need to see it again to yeah. like really grasp why I was so like impacted by it. There's a couple of scenes and a couple like parts where like obviously like are heartbreaking or like really sweet and I but like I'm talking like just her in a car and I felt like I was gonna throw up. <laughs> like it was just so much. Yeah, yeah. No, I um in in like identifying with the movie. It's not so much that I identified with Lady Bird because <laughs> she I was not Lady Bird in, when I was a teenager. I was I was not. I was probably more a combination of the best friend who is the greatest character in the oh, world. My fucking favorite. Oh my god. So that that actress is I think her name is Beanie. Beanie Feldstein. She is in Neighbors 2, she the sorority Neighbors 2, which I love. She is so fucking good in this She's movie. She's amazing. She is also on Broadway now. She's in Hello, Everything. Dolly. Oh, really? Yes. She's so effing good. Yeah. I liked her in Neighbors a lot. Like, I thought she was really funny and, like, really fun to watch. But, like, then to see her actually get to, like, do something in this. Yeah. And you know who? She has a famous brother. 
Who was her famous brother? Now, because it, it's funny, I was looking at her the whole movie. I'm like, I know, like, I've seen her before. I looked at her filmography. I haven't seen anything she's in. I'm like, maybe I saw her in her commercial. And then I found out, oh, she's also, she's Jonah Hill's sister. Oh, <gasps> I now I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She oh, did not, I absolutely yeah. adore her. Yep, she used her own name. She is amazing. I mean, I, I'm just going to come out and say, I fucking loved this movie. I'm so yeah. glad you picked it. I'm so glad I did, that it did make me go to a theater and see it and that I gave it my money. Um, and, it, it, well, yeah. So, Beanie Feldstein is, what's the character's name? Is it Jenny? I have it open. I can. Uh, Julie. 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 Or Jules. Uh, oh, she's yeah. She's so good. She's very good. And it's, like, not that, I feel like a lot of movies have, like, the token best friend that the, you know, girl ignores when she becomes friends with the popular kids. Like, if you were to kind of give a, a like very specific synopsis of everything that happens in this movie, you would so be doing it a disservice because it would sound yeah. like, oh, okay, so what? She doesn't like her chubby friend because of this. Like, it's not that at all. There's so much else going on. And the way it's handled is heartbreaking but real and uh, just wonderful. <laughs> They are so cute together. Oh my God, like at so the be- at the beginning when they're just just joking and being ridiculous, yeah. it's so sweet and so funny. And honest like it- and just yep. their chemistry as friends is so believable. Yep, they were really funny. There were really funny yeah. moments. So she effectively ditches her for the like pretty popular girl that doesn't even know Ladybird exists, right. and. And what I really enjoyed about that character is that she wasn't mean. Nope. Like, she wasn't, like, a stereotypical bitch or, nope. like... She wasn't, like, like a cheerleader, she, the popular girl, like... She was just pretty and cool and yep. didn't really care. And, like, she had a different group of friends. But when Lady Bird, like, approached her with, with something interesting, she wasn't like, ew, who are you? I don't want to talk to you. Like, they struck up a friendship. Mm-hmm. And their friendship was ruined by ladybird like she lied yeah she was a liar this girl was totally on board like yeah we're friends now and like it was a really realistic look at like the way maybe a high school friendship could just come out of nowhere and then dissolve yeah like for two months that is the most important person in your oh, world yeah. and now they're gone and, and i, mean, I, I thought know that, was that really happened to me in high school i know that yeah. happened to my friends in high school where all of a sudden you know, your one friend wasn't calling you because she was just hanging out with someone different. Yeah. And then it, just as quickly as it began, it quickly ended. And it it's a really weird time. <laughs> and, you know, your social life in high school is, is very different from when you're, when you're an adult. Yep. And those little things, like, mean so much. But at the same time, like, I... Something I appreciated was that nothing... As kind of dramatic as Ladybird is, she also isn't. She is so dramatic. Like she's really dramatic. But look at her. Look at her two romantic relationships. Um, she knows that they're not like the end all of everything. Mm-hmm. And they're both, and I love them both so much. So, so the first yep. one is with. Um, the kid from Manchester by the Sea, who I'm just going to... Oh, him. is that who that is? Uh, the redhead. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that that's where he was from. And so basically... The boy... Oh, are we spoiling this? Oh, God. Um. Oh, I guess we shouldn't. There's another boy 
that is in their little group of friends when they're like all theater friends together. Yeah. Um, he's and he's from uh, the Scream TV show, the first two seasons. Okay. He, he, I don't even think he has a line. He's just there, and it was so nice to see him. <laughs> it made me so happy. And the so the second boy also like is in that new movie. I think Call Me by Your Name. That's mm-hmm. everybody is raving about. Also, so he's yep. he's going places. Yep. So the the first boyfriend. I'm just gonna say the first boyfriend is a theater kid. Yep. And look, and I was in high school theater. Their relationship so cute, too. It's so cute and sweet. And yep. any, especially any female who was ever in a theater department had that friend, like, knew that guy. And ha- maybe had a crush on that guy because there was something really, because he was nice to you and he talked to you. And, like, there, there somehow was this instant comfort and everything. Maybe there are reasons for that. I'm not spoiling anything, but you might be able to figure it out. And, I mean, anybody that watches this movie probably figures it out pretty quickly anyway. Yeah. I mean, they give you... Hints, definitely. There's tells. Yes. There's, yeah. And another thing, though, she gets mad at him, and she has a reason to be mad at sure. him. She was she was deceived, and she felt stupid. Yeah, she's hurt. But, like, when it came down to it, she was not mean. She was not vindictive. She was a caring yeah, person she could have done something yeah. very bad and she doesn't because it's, and, she realizes it's not about her yep and that's the thing about this movie look people are assholes people yep. are shitty when they're kids great we all make mistakes we all fuck up but like there there's no i mean we could talk about we're gonna talk about her mom but there's no bad guy in this movie mm. there's no like she she was a she was mean so her friends stopped talking to her right. like she made mistakes. Everyone made mistakes in it. And then the second dude that she gets interested in, like the too cool. Oh God. Um, some of those scenes when he's like oh, being cool are so love great. It. I love it. And oh. he, but the thing is, he's a pompous, way what, too what cool. Like, what's the line he has? He's like, Oh, I don't believe in money or something. I, but he's not wrong about certain things, mm-hmm. which is, which I kind of liked because they have a relationship and they end up having sex, which was adorable and great. So great it's it's the and, like it's just a real yeah. like look sex when you're that young isn't that good because nobody knows it's, what they're doing and it's a big deal but it's not a big deal and i love how she handles that like it's this dramatic moment because she realizes after the fact it should be dramatic mm-hmm. and again like it's confused and that's what you are when you're 17 yeah and, like, he was like, it's not, it doesn't have to be a big deal. And he's not wrong. Right. Like, granted, these are not the things that this young girl needs to be hearing after this. Yeah. And it's not what she wants to hear, and she's not in a place to process it. And he kind of comes off like like a flippant asshole, but he's not wrong. So he's not like, get out of here, you whore. Right, right. Like, it's not this, as, as dramatic as this movie is, it's not, like, these dramatic high school tellings you see where, like, somebody is writing death threats and like right. this people are you know crying in the bathroom themselves or... yeah it, because they said they got all their stuff stolen and flushed in a toilet like it's not like that it's <laughs> there's crappy parts of it but like they're 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 all you know what it is it's like they're real people they're not yeah. teenagers and so often i feel like teenagers get written like they're their own yeah. entity yes. like oh they're a teenager we have to but they're not. They're just, like, at varying degrees of maturity, as, like, a, a human person would be. Yeah. And I feel like this kind of shows that. Absolutely. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. 
and so that it's set in 2002 mm-hmm. uh i think it, it you know it just it just works the way she does it because yeah. there's nothing like the world isn't that different in 2002 like not many people have cell phones and the cell phones are bigger uh, or smaller rather and you know the internet isn't quite what it is which i think works because it means there's a lot of things if you were setting it a couple of years later that you couldn't have certain scenes the same way yeah um and the styling isn't that different but i know and i'm sure you were the same way where you're watching it you're like oh, i totally would have worn my necklaces that way and i would have oh, she you know. she literally had a pair of shoes that i had <laughs> Nice. Like the exact shoes. Yep, and I said, yep. oh, I had those, but in green. Uh-huh. Like, what the, yes, 100%. Yeah, so it's just a little, like, little things like that. And again, for for you and me, who are essentially of that generation, like, hey, you know what? There's plenty of movies about 70s and 80s and nostalgia, 90s nostalgia. Like, this is a very specific time period that I think we both clearly identify with and see mm-hmm. ourselves in. Um, the... Uh, I have in in uh, capital letters theater kids being theater kids. Yep. <laughs> because like even like when they're showing them doing warm ups and them auditioning and um, uh, apparently like did her the way Greta Gerwig had them like basically do their own auditions for the audition scene where like she kind of had them like okay come in with a song like we'll just kind of montage mm-hmm. it together and Sorsa Ronan like just kind of came in like that like, she did that like she wore that outfit and she planned how she was going to do that song and I love it's, that that she came it's in it's very like, charming it's so charming it's a ladybird mm-hmm. and she said she used Elaine Stritch his performances uh, for inspiration which endeared me to her of course that's that's adorable yep um the let's talk about how you want to talk about the mom yes okay first of all this was one of my favorite opening scenes of any movie i've seen in a really long time yeah it was good scene is perfection it's the two of them on a road trip and they go from bonding and crying over the course of probably three minutes to arguing with such intensity that Ladybird jumps out of the car. Yep. I mean, so it really sets the stage for all of the strife. And I, I read an article today that calls her mom like straight up abusive. And I, while I don't disagree with that, it, it paints a picture of two very real people who are very alike, but yes. who are very clashy. I don't, again, I don't disagree that her mother was abusive, but I, I think that she, I think that any abuse from her mother, it, it clearly comes from her mother. It is, it is showing a cycle of, of poor learned behaviors. I, I don't know. That um, I not that that's abusive. okay. I think there was, because I think. Lori Metcalf's character, I forget the character's name, but the mom, I think she mm-hmm. loves her kids so much that it kills her. And the, so what, what is, like, specifically did you find abusive? Well, the fact that, she, I mean, she doesn't, she didn't talk to her daughter for, yeah. I, I don't know, however long that was. I mean, her her daughter clearly needed her. Mm-hmm. And she was upset that the clothes were on the floor. She she was passing. She's passing on intense neuroses about how how to be, how to act. 
how to exist. Also, neuroses about money. So you were saying you find the mother abusive for giving her the silent treatment for several weeks and for kind of giving her, kind of transferring her fears about money onto her daughter. Yeah, I like, I don't know if I would have ever said that myself. Like, I read it and I got the points. And when I left the theater, I did have really strong feelings about that character. Like, she was awful. But she's I think really terrible. She's, so, she's overworked, right? After, you know, the husband's mm-hmm. laid off. So now she's working doubles and she has a really stressful job. Right, she is a mm-hmm. nurse at a psychiatric facility or hospital, so she's dealing with people who are committing suicide, and uh, she's dealing with some really, really tough stuff. And so then she comes home to her small house that she's worked very hard for, only to hear her daughter uh, has insulted to her friends. Um, yeah, I mean, I and I totally get it. And I think that that's why this is a good movie because there it is interesting and it is multifaceted and and I mean I, I like I said it's clear that Laurie Metcalf's character had a rough childhood. Yeah. She has a throwaway but, line about you know well what what, what about your mother? And yeah. She, what did she say? Like my mother was an abusive alcoholic. Yeah. So I just. I don't while I don't think that that character is necessarily a villain or the bad guy. I think that she this character lives a life that if she that she may potentially look back on and be really regretful of the way she chose to treat her daughter who was not a bad kid, who wasn't doing anything wrong, who was begging for affection and and reassurance and who just wasn't getting it. Yeah. But she she called her spoiled a lot. I don't think I don't think Lady Bird was spoiled. I don't think she was a bad kid. And that scene when they're trying on prom dresses and she says, like, do you like me? Like, it's heartbreaking. All Laurie Metcalf had to say was, yes, I like you. You're my daughter. That's all she had to say. But she she didn't. She wants her to be the best her she can be. And Lady Bird's like, well, what if this is me? It's heartbreaking. That scene is heartbreaking. It. And I don't know, like I, I I love when um, Lady Bird tries on the dress and like she she like she's so happy in it and like I, I don't know if it was uh, Jason or <laughs> somebody else in the audience that went like oh like had this moment of like yeah that's the one and then and Laurie Metcalf's reaction is I think it's too pink and it's just this like moment mm-hmm. of uh, frustration and I mean. I, I don't, I had, I have a great relationship with my mom. I never went through that like teenage phase with my mom where I knew we were both always saying the wrong thing, but I have a lot of friends who did and I Mm -hmm. saw it and I just remember like that constant, it was like there was this wall that made it impossible for you ever to be on the same page that, uh, and and it's not like they're com- like they have that like really sweet moment of bonding where they like what's our favorite Sunday activity and it's going to look at houses that you know they can't afford mm-hmm. that, you know that there's there's so much love there and I think that's why Laurie Metcalf's character is is so hard on on everyone 
it's because she's working really hard to keep the life that they have at least what it is. And man, it's got to be frustrating when your 17 year old daughter comes home and basically whether she's saying it to you or implying it is essentially saying it's not good enough for me. I deserve better. And, and granted, as a parent, you should say, yes, I want my, my kid deserves more than I can ever give them. But I don't know, maybe it's because I'm getting older. Um, so as much as I, you know, identify a lot with a lot of what Lady Bird goes through, there's a lot of me that mm-hmm. kind of, I, I could see myself in the Laurie Metcalf role, even without kids. I don't like when I find out my cats I, tell people that this isn't our apartment, that we actually live, you know, further downtown. It's very hurtful and, to me. And I get why she would be hurt by all these things, but I just, I come from a place where as the adult, she needs to be better than her child. She needs to not vent her her disappointment and her sadness and her hurt that way because she is affecting another human person's development. Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong. I, I <laughs> really, it's, it's fascinating because I think I didn't... But I don't... No, no, keep going. I don't dislike that character at all. Right. Like, I, I really liked yeah. her. And she's clearly caring. She's amazing at work. She's amazing with everybody at work. Mm-hmm. She lets her son, her adopted son... Can we assume? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. You didn't know either, because they never... I don't think you're, spo- you're supposed to really... I don't no. think it's supposed to be explicit, yeah. because they, they are explicit that Lady Bird was n- later in life and maybe not expected. Right. I think... I I got the impression that they maybe adopted or took in this boy and then had Lady Bird. Like, kind of like, oh, hey... This is a thing that's happening. Right, right. Kind of like a Hallmark movie I just watched recently. Oh, it all comes together. Netflix. And, ugh. So they take in, so they adopt, we can assume adopt or whatever, this kid, and then let his girlfriend, girlfriend yeah. live with them. Yep. And they're so, like, they're so, obviously such nice people. Her dad is so nice. Like, they're nice people, but it's just, the maybe... The well, resentment dis- or the disappointment. Yeah. I think, I don't know, I, I think it's just a very I get it, though. specific dynamic that some mothers and teenage daughters have. And it's believable, and it is. It's it's ugly. And you're right. It's, it's that, I know, um, I know other people that have said this, where their parent has said, like, my, you know, my child brings me to a level I don't want to be at. And I know, like, I have this with, like, for me, it's one of my brothers. I love my brother to death. He is the only person who has ever made me a certain type of angry. And Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's a different side of me that comes out, and it only comes out with him on, like, specific arguments, usually involving board games. With, I think with a lot of women, they go through that with their mothers. They have this certain dynamic where they just it's it's oil oil and water whatever expression you want to use where the and not just mothers sometimes fathers too um but i think for a lot of people in cases where it is mother daughter where the uh right laurie metcalf knows she's the adult here and that she doesn't need to stoop down to these arguments 
but she's been having them for 16 years, 17 years with her daughter and her daughter doesn't yeah. have to be learning from them. And, you know, I, I just, I guess I understand her so much that it's yeah. hard for me to be angry at what she does. Cause it's like, no, but I get it. If I had worked 12 hours with, you know, suicidal patients and come home and, you know, my daughter still hasn't cleaned her room and it's the one thing I've asked her to do. Yeah, that's going to hit me in a certain way where I'm going to overreact to it. And I think that's what mm-hmm. I got a lot out of it was all those little things that, you know, you can just say the right thing and not have a fight, but you just, God damn it, you just can't. Mm-hmm. And then I think on... Look, I... I... It's a good it's a good characterizations because they're completely understandable and relatable even if you don't necessarily agree. Sure. The for Ladybird, I think I, I can't remember where I read this. Somebody made a point about the movie like catches that particular time in your life when you really start to realize it when you start to kind of have that empathy and understanding of it's not just me that I think by mm-hmm. the end of this year of this movie, <laughs> Ladybird starts to see things from her mother's point, point of view. It doesn't mean their relationship mm-hmm. is going to be fixed. We're, we know that they're going to constantly still have these arguments back and forth, but that there is a, there is that growth in, in seeing things from her mother's eyes. I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. With the dad, did you know who played the dad? Did you recognize who that actor slash writer oh, is? I don't think I did. It is Tracy Letts, who I'm trying to go is look right. um, yeah. better known to me as a playwright who wrote many plays that turned into films, including Bug and Killer Joe. Mm-hmm. He also wrote Killer Joe. And Killer Joe. Yeah. Yep, I just saw it. Yeah. I just saw it. Interesting. And again, like... He's very good. He's so good. And he's very warm. And it's a great look at this man who, um, you know, you find out kind of battles depression and the movie doesn't go too far into it, but it's just kind of there. He's, you know, he's been Mm -hmm. fired late and now has to find another job. Not late in life, but later in life than any educated man who's worked for a very long time to support his family wants to start job hunting. Uh, but there's mm-hmm. just a warmth that he has that's really nice. Uh, the and then along those yeah, same lines, I agree. The um, so Ladybird goes to a, a Catholic school, uh, and it it works really well in the movie, just because it gives you my cats are fighting. We're good, ladies, gentlemen. We're fine. Okay, good. Let's pass that. Uh, because you get not you get nuns you get priests you get catholic imagery and all of that stuff and it's not it's it's treated in a really fun way Mm -hmm. where um like i mean the you know the girls are sitting there nibbling on communion wafers which is great and i always like communion wafers so if i had access to them i would also eat them as an after school snack but i never did (laughs) uh It's, like, all of the Catholic stuff that you often get in movies that involve Catholicism, like, you don't get the stereotypes here. It's just, it's more just, oh, yeah, they're in Catholic school, and that means there's certain traditions that they have, and this sort of idea of, like, church and religion as kind of a 
habit in a place you go to. So at the end of the film, when she's kind of lost in a sense, she goes to a church. And it's not Mm -hmm. a religious thing. It's more a home thing and comfort thing. And I thought that was like a nice way to look at it. Yeah, for sure. It it came across as like everybody, all the, the characters that, you know, are at the school are all really likable and mm-hmm. not stereotyped. The nun and, is great. It's, she's yeah. funny and she's sassy. Um, the, the priest yep. who's the theater director, who then you just have like one little scene of him and Laurie Metcalf later where, where you find, oh, oh, there's a lot more to him. And like suddenly yep. you want a movie about him, but that's not the movie you're watching. Yep. Uh, and it's okay that there's a million like little offshoots or things that aren't really necessarily explained or yep. characters that are just kind of touched on because it makes it a much more robust yeah. experience. Well, like the the friend has a crush on the math teacher. Clearly, they never say it, but the math teacher, mm-hmm. you know, is very nice to her because she's good yep. at math, and she talks to him differently, and she's excited to see him. and And then after the play, she sees him and his pregnant wife and. It's just, like, such a moment of, like, oh, okay, bye. That's that. Oh, yeah, I have no chance with you. Yep. Now I've seen your wife, and you're having a baby, and suddenly this isn't fun anymore to have a crush on you, so that's it. And, mm-hmm. again, like, it's, yeah, like, I I get that. Like, it, it it's sweet and normal and believable and somehow made really interesting on screen, even though it's so mundane in many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Yeah, and I don't want to go into it because it'd kind of be a spoiler. But um, how hard did you cry at the unfinished letter scene? Mm, not that hard, really. I liked that scene a lot. Okay. The prom is what, or the dance. Oh I guess it was God. the prom. Yeah, the prom was what really me. upset me. Oh God. Um, every time they played Dave Matthews, they started crying. <laughs> oh. oh, God. <laughs> it was so upsetting to me. Yeah. Yeah, there, I, I did not want to cry. Like, it was a Saturday afternoon. I was out with friends. You're like, I did. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes you just don't want to cry in a theater. Uh, and yep. this was one of those cases, and I found it hard not to. Yeah, I, I definitely did some crying mm-hmm. um and it was it was it was a lovely experience though i, I wasn't super depressed after it you know and it's you it know, was um it's small like it is a small story about a 17 year old turning 18 and making her decision to go to college it's really it there's no you know abortion yeah. and suicide and crazy things like it's just a year in the life and that can be done very well that can be done it's not there's nothing Mm -hmm. revolutionary about the style it's just that it's really good it's funny it's warm and it's it's really good it's really genuine yeah yeah genuine yep yeah uh the other day i was as i was cooking and kind of finding something to put on TV in the background, I landed on Peggy Sue Got Married, which, if you recall, was the mm, first movie yes. we covered back in the day. Uh, I do recall. Uh-huh. And what's funny was having it on and realizing in, in a lot of ways that, like, Lady Bird really reminded me of it. 
that mm-hmm. aside from the um the if you remember from that movie there's like the beatnik writer character who totally reminded me of the second love interest in ladybird just uh-huh. like yep. a lot of it of lo- like watching high school from and maybe especially because this was sort of in 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 a sense like kind of like me looking back at high school from a very different vantage point um and sort of like seeing like okay but if if I was me now, how different things would be with all of those like little things you did in high school. Uh, yeah, it'd be as much as Rushmore is a very good pairing for Lady Bird. I would also suggest pairing it yes. with Peggy Sue Got Married. I think there's love a lot it. That I think that's a great idea. Other. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Do you have any more to say about Lady Bird? I think that's most. Of I don't items. think so. I just wanted to make sure I talked about how um, effective the Dave Matthews stuff was. <laughs> did you ever see them in concert? It was... No. Oh, I did. Once. Um, I had a feeling that that's where you were going yeah, with I was that. curious. That's why I was curious if you had, because I thought that's like the concert everybody goes to at some point in the early 2000s. <laughs> I definitely did. Um, I never saw them in concert. Um, I never really had that much of an affinity for them i do like that song and i think it is used to great effect in this Mm -hmm. film what was your this is my new um atonement i can't stop thinking about it without wanting to cry yeah i can see that (laughs) what was your prom song what was um like the the prom song that was the theme of the prom or or the first song that they played um, because I can answer one of them. Tell me whatever you remember. I can tell you, I know our song was, I think, Y'all Be In My Heart from Tarzan. And okay, I know that fun. The, the closing song of the night was Bye 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 by NSYNC. I love it. Yep. Um, I remember, so we had, I don't know if we had like a prom song, but I do often say that my yearbook in the last page of the yearbook they put a quote from that semi-sonic song closing time that really i know who that's stupid and i hate it <laughs> but the song that the first song at my prom was cisco's thong song <gasps> yes and I couldn't make it up if I wanted to because that is really what happened. And I remember thinking yes. as it was happening, I can't believe this is the first song they're playing. That's fantastic. And I've not forgotten it. Very nice. Um, yeah. No, that's – there should be – should have been more thong-themed proms if you ask me. Oh, a different uh, time. I mean, I wish that was the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. If only. If only. Yes. All right. If so, only. Rating Ladybird. Quality of film. 9.5. I'm going, yeah. I'm going 9. I'll go 9. It's really fucking good. Okay, I'm going to just be irrational. That's okay. It, this is Irrational. That's I mean, this is just... I can't think of anything I would have changed about this movie. And... As much as it is a small movie and that it is not, you know, epic or, uh, you know, telling this grand story, it's telling a really simple character story in a beautiful, touching, funny, special way that 
really, really mm-hmm. hit with me hard. So, yeah. Um, quality of life. Um, 9.5. Yeah, I'm going to go 9.5. Because it just, I enjoyed this so much, and I will watch it again. And I really, really hope more people see it. Um, I hope, I hope there's not backlash. I've started to see like some inklings on Facebook pages of people being like, "Oh, I don't really know what uh, was fine, but I don't really get the hype." Like, what? What's there to hype about? It's just a really good movie about in very small scale. So I don't know. Uh, everybody should see it. I think everybody will love it. Um, if you don't love it, yep. tell us why. I'll be curious. I might not agree with you, but I'll listen. I, I read something today that said it should have been better for um, marginalized groups, and it was a showing of white privilege because she was still middle class, and she got to go to college and got to go to a um, – a Catholic high school, a private high school, and she got to have opportunities and her parents were in the privileged position to mortgage their house or whatever so that she could to help her go to school. I, I hear it. I hear it. But I, but not all movies can be that movie. No. And I think that there needs to be, there needs to be more stories like that, but there also yeah. needs to be more stories like this. So yeah. please don't try to make this movie be all the movies. Yeah. Yeah, this movie... Talk to the other movies that don't do anything different. Yeah, yeah. This movie never... um, No, I don't know anything about Sacramento where it's set, so I don't know if there's, like, very specific, um, you know, uh, race issues for the area where, you know, somebody might say, well, Mm -hmm. that's like making a movie only about white people in Harlem, let's say. Um, Yeah. But, you know, okay... What about Rushmore? Maybe there should have been more black characters in Rushmore with that argument. Mm-hmm. And I know you're not making the argument. I'm making the, I'm answering no, no, the no. I, um, I, hypothetical I, statement that you've heard. But by that token, I just thought okay, was, Wes Anderson, where are yeah. all the people of color? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was worth bringing up oh, yeah, because sure. it definitely was something that I didn't even think about, which yeah. I like to think that I'm thoughtful about Mm. that type of stuff Um, but I was just so happy to see two women who are different shapes I get it they make that they make the argument that Lady Bird is is beautiful and an actress she's a gangly weirdo in this movie she's beautiful and perfect and wonderful but she's all long arms and and her sweet little face and she's like dressed in 90s clothing I, and she's I, got pink hair and her you know yeah she looks like a teen sure still a movie teenager but she looks like a teenager in, yeah. the, in the 90s in the 2000s and and i will never discount somebody's take on the movie of maybe wanting more sure. or maybe to wanting it to speak more to their life experience which might have been a bit more diverse or yes. dealt with different subjects but this does deal quite heavily with depression very and much. yeah like i i don't know i don't know that's all i don't not i'm not saying that i agree with it necessarily but i did feel the need yeah, to no, bring no, it up I'm, I'm glad you put that out there and i think for me and and you're right because i think i'm i like to think i'm similar where often i will notice in a movie of wow everybody's white in this movie or so on in this movie, I never thought about it at all. Um, and part of it may very well be because this is a movie where 
I did feel very connected to what's going on. I am white. Um, and I am female and I am, you know, again, around the same age that Lady Bird was in this movie. And yeah. so, yes, I can fully say it's very possible that I, you know, and I mean, I give Christopher Nolan a fucking hard time for the way he treats or there or rather doesn't treat his female characters in movies. Um, mm-hmm. And I can point to specific ones. Look at Rachel Dawes in the Dark Knight trilogy, where she exists in both movies, mm-hmm. she's sleeping with her boss. And in how in Batman Begins, she is the only female character who has any lines whatsoever. Um, and I don't know many men who've caught that in Christopher Nolan films. And I know many men who are very defensive about that when you bring it up in a Christopher yeah. Nolan film. Yep. Uh, of the joke of like, oh, well, Dunkirk, they, you know, you can't say anything about Dunkirk, oh, there's no women in it. It's like, yeah, okay, well, that was probably a good directing move on Christopher Nolan's part. Why even bother putting women yeah, in your films him. at that point? Um, so you're right. I don't also don't want to discount that the way I've been discounted when I've brought up different issues on films. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, you, you, that's that's true and that's valid. And again, my thought to that would be this you know, this wasn't a movie that was trying to... This movie was telling this one character's story, and that character mm-hmm. didn't... That character's life didn't really involve many people of color. So, yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, hooray! Indeed. Uh, before we talk about next episode, do you have a streaming recommend for the people at home? Ah, I do, and I'm so fucking excited Ooh, about it. What is it? So I, I saw this movie not on not on Netflix, and then and then I saw it was streaming, and I lost my GD mind. I was like, I can recommend this to everyone within the sound of my voice now. Um, it is a movie from this year called Bushwick. Do you know about this movie? I do not. You have to stop everything you're doing and watch it immediately. It is co-written by Nick Dimitri. <gasps> you didn't tell me that. Okay. Um, right? So it stars Brittany Snow and Dave Batista. Okay. It is about it is a it is a single like evening day of the beginning of a civil war in Bushwick. Okay. It's okay. It is everything. It is the everything movie. I thought it might be fun. And then I saw Nick Dimitri's name come up in the credits. And I thought like, oh, that's super interesting. So Dave Bautista plays what you would assume the Nick Dimitri character would be. If you know what I mean. Yes, I do. He's not in it. Not that I saw it. If he's in it, it's it's ancillary and I didn't notice and I'm sorry. But but he is the Dave Batista character. Like, that's the character he would write for himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Dave Batista is so good in it. Brittany Snow is so good in it. I am shocked how emotionally invested I became in it. And by the end, I was like, is everybody okay? Like, I was super <laughs> concerned and, like, Aww. I don't know. I My expectations were, were, like, in a reasonable place. Sure. And then I watched it and I was like, everybody needs to see this movie. All right, I will watch it. I just so that's mine. My cue, it's right there. Cool. I, 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 it's like the Emily recipe. I think you'll like it. So I hope that you do. Okay. Is there dancing? <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. So it's not like the full out Emily but it's recipe. Like, 
imagine if it was a plague instead or something. It's not. It's like a civil war. So, okay. but but it's still that like Chaos weird and... like end of the world. <gasps> yeah. Okay. I'm in. <laughs> and they're trying to get to like from point A to point B, which is a total Emily thing. Yes, so. definitely. Okay, you okay. like getting, you like getting places. All takes place in like one day. Yes. Okay, I I'm liked in. it a lot. I'm in. I'm gonna watch it. Don't worry. All right. So along the lines of end of the world stuff, then um, my recommend might as well be seeking a friend for the end of the world. Which is also streaming on Netflix. I loved it when I saw it. Yeah, me too. Um, again, it's I still prefer Last Night. That is still my favorite end of the world movie. But this came out a couple years ago, and it didn't do that well in the theater. I don't know why. It might have just been like bad timing. But this is the Steve Carell, Kira Knightley. The world is going to end in a week, and they are spending the last week trying to get her back home. And... Um, it's very funny and it's really sweet and I cry really hard at the ending. So there you go. Yep. That's my random recommend. Now that's the episode for the now. Okay. First off, don't forget, you're going to keep getting stocking stuffers, including one that Christine and I are going to do together and she's got to figure out what that is. So we'll figure that I out. I think I picked it. Oh, surprisingly, I already don't remember the name of it <laughs> because they're all the fucking same. Christmas is it the wrapping, Christmas wrapping. kiss? Christmas kiss? Okay, that's on there. So we're going to so cover... So that has Elizabeth Rahm in it. Oh, yes! I'm so excited. Who I, I can't her. watch anything ever and not, um, A, do her voice, and B, and just constantly interject every one of her lines with, is it because I'm a lesbian? Because remember when she was on Law and Dude, Order? Dude, she's in Wish Upon. That's yeah. right. I remember she's in Wish Upon. Me. He came yeah. home and he's like, oh, guess who was in Wish Upon? I'm like, who? He's like, the lesbian. I'm like, oh, Elizabeth Rome. Yep. For those who don't yep. know. We're at the price of admission. Yeah. When she's she's on Law and Order for, I think, like two or three seasons. And when she leaves the show, she like, they just randomly at the end of the episode have her like resign. And she, the last line of the episode is because Adam Schiff tell, kind of telling her she should resign. And she says, like, out of nowhere, is it because I'm a lesbian? And, like, the episode ends, basically. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. So yeah. that's what I can always look at her for. So, um, okay, Christmas Kiss. Uh, for the next, like, that's real my choice. episode of a real movie, uh, I have a thought. Do oh, you that's anything, not a real episode? Like, do, <laughs> uh, do you have anything, like, you're buzzing to do? Nothing that springs to mind. All right, because I've I have an odd one that um, I was trying to figure out a bunch of I had a bunch of different ideas and then they kept either going off of instant watch or other things happening. But if this is Nutcracker 3D, this is over. <laughs> no, I love you too much to do that to you again. I did that to you already, didn't okay. I? I've done that to so many. I think people. about that movie all the time. I've lost so it many. It pops into my head and I get it back. Yeah, I have destroyed relationships over making people watch that movie. Um, so I'm feeling more generous Ugh. this year, and I, I, I decided not to go with something seasonal because it, I'm like, we're doing so many Christmas movies that like my head will explode. Um, and I couldn't think of anything good Christmassy that we haven't done yet or that really like merited a discussion and somehow i think i was like associate like thinking in my head about snow and um then i saw on netflix like different things that are available and i thought you know it's been a while since i've watched this movie and it's been never since i've watched this movie not on a tiny computer screen you're you're killing me what are you gonna pick silent hill (laughs) 
Yes, we have that on our list to watch. Excellent. We almost watched it last night. <gasps> You've never seen it? <laughs> That's so funny. No, I saw it in the theater, and I, I don't remember a lot of it. Okay. Yeah, I've only seen it once, and it was on, like, the worst. This is when I used to illegally download things, and it was, like, the download was so bad that I had to, like, constantly read the synopsis of what was happening on screen because I couldn't see half of it. So mm-hmm. I I really want to revisit Are you going to do feature? Um, I don't know. I would say you pick what you want to pair it with. We well, could go a lot the other ways. Silent Hill movie, There right? is another Silent Hill movie. <laughs> Um, so we could do both. I don't know. That's just my knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. Right. There's that. We could do another video game movie. I don't know. Um, I'm going to let you think about that. Oh, do you want to do Doom? Do you want to talk about Doom? You really want to talk the about The Rock Doom? movie? I remember hating Doom. Is it I good? Just, I just jumped up and down. I have it on Steelbook. Okay. I just, I just left around the room. Okay. Doom it is. Silent Hill and Doom. There you go. This is the best episode ever. Isn't it? Yeah. All right. Love it. Okay. So that's what you're getting next time. Well, not next time, because again, you're going to get stocking stuffers in the meantime, but then eventually <laughs> you're going to get Silent Hill Doom. Going to be good. Woo! I, f- I, feel, I feel good about this All decision. Right. All right. Uh, on that note, folks, continue to tell us stuff that you think about stuff over on Twitter at Feminine Podcast and on Facebook in our Facebook group, The Feminine Critique where we talk about stuff. And if you have any um, Hallmark or Lifetime or whatnot movies that you really think I should watch, try to tell me soon, because I'm trying to lay out everything to get them all done soon. So, yeah. It's not even December yet. Oh, my God, it's not. I'm embarrassed, but I've, I've watched four already. Well, that's not that bad. You weren't like, I've watched 17. Well, I mean, I've watched and taken notes on four. We've had, like, the TV on in the background for some of the other ones, and... Yeah. All right. Fair enough. It's a problem. Loophole. Yeah. Uh, But they're there. It's impossible not to do it. Anyway, folks, you all have a good night, and go see Lady Bird. This thing right here is letting all the ladies know what guys talk about. You know... Find a thing you like. <laughs> Check it out. Ooh, that dress so scandalous. And you know another nigga couldn't handle it. So you're shaking that thing like who's the ish? With the look in your eyes so devilish. Uh, you like to dance all the hip hop spots. And you cruise to the cruise like an actor dot. Not just urban, she liked the pop. Cause she was living la vida loca. She had dumps like a truck, truck, truck. Thighs like what, what, what? Baby, move your butt, butt, butt. Uh, I think I'll sing it again. She had dumps like a truck, truck, truck. All night long Let me see that thong Baby That thong, that thong, thong, thong I like it when the beat goes Baby, make your booty go That thong, that thong, thong, thong That girl's so scandalous And I know another nigga can handle it And she's shaking that thing like who's the ish With the look in the eyes so devilish she like to dance on the hip hop spots And she cruise to the cruise to connect the dots Not just urban, she liked the pop Cause she was living la vida loca She had dumps like a truck, truck, truck Guys like what, what, what Baby, move your butt, butt, butt uh. I think I'm singing again She had dumps like a truck, 